We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Hey, yeah, you heard it. It's Candlestick Chronicles. He is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And today we are going to continue our, our dive into the 49ers depth chart with a look at the group of running backs. But first, Chris, it is the the official start of the summer for me, and I, and I think for you as well down there in the South Bay because uh, the heat is needing to be beaten. There is no beating the heat during the pandemic right now. Nah, great point. Really um, strong point by you. It got into the 90s this week, and uh, some of us less fortunate do not have air conditioning. Um, some of us even less fortunate than that have rooms that face west with no direct shade or anything blocking the sun for the majority of the day. Um, so currently recording in a sweltering room that i'm hoping airs out and if you hear some fans um i think it's my computer trying to beat the heat uh as as we're trying to throttle and and not 
get too hot over here, but um, yeah, we're hanging in there, man. We're we're getting closer to sports coming back, which is which is giving me optimism. Um, but for now, the challenge is is staying cool and staying hydrated for sure. Yeah, and if you hear if you hear some some noise in the background here, it's also my fan that I've got running in my room because I have the same issue. The sun sets on the back side of the house and just beats on my house's old ass windows uh and, and just crushes the the room that i'm in so that's that's the beating the heat segment for today how about we talk running backs yeah let's do that <laughs> uh so so let's let's kind of start with with what we think the depth chart looks like going into camp and then from there we'll kind of kind of sort through the the information we have because uh, running back is such an important position for what the 49ers want to do on offense, which, which is run the ball as much as humanly possible. And, and I, w- I want to amend that, not run the ball as much as humanly possible, but run the ball effectively uh, every game. And it, there's the, the group of running backs as we'll go through is, is intriguing because there's, there's, Kind of a lot of a lot of interesting questions going around the group. So, Chris, why don't we start with you running through what you think the running back depth chart looks like uh, today on Wednesday, May twenty seventh? Yeah. So, in terms of the depth chart, I just sort of made it who I think will be on the field first, and then go go down from there. So, Tevin Coleman was the 49ers technically starting running back last year. He started more games than any other tailback uh, the team had. And he even missed a couple with an ankle injury earlier in the season. He still wound up making 11 starts, including all three playoff games, Um, which is notable because Raheem Mostert obviously led the 49ers in rushing, broke out late in the season and and definitely in January. Um, But Tevin Coleman, for me, tops the depth chart right now. Raheem Mostert second. I have Jarek McKinnon third. Jeff Wilson Jr. fourth. Uh, Jamichael Hasty, the undrafted rookie from Baylor, is fifth on the depth chart, and then rounding it out is Salvin Ahmed, the uh, undrafted rookie from the University of Washington. So the reason why, I mean, I, I laid it out why I went with Coleman, and and I don't know, I guess one of the questions I have about Mostert, and we'll talk about this after you go through yours, um, is whether or not your use the best use of Raheem Mostert is giving him 20 carries a game. Like if if him being the a true number one back is the solution, or if you're starting to take away from some of his efficiency and productivity by increasing his workload. So uh, Mostert did say, I, I think it was last week on a conference call, maybe the week before that, it's all sort of blending in at this point, sure. <laughs> um, that he was sort of remaking his body and uh, maybe gaining a little bit of muscle in order to be more durable and take more of that of that pounding as a number one running back could or should. So um yeah, that's that's one of the questions we have, and, and we'll dive into that. But I'm well, I'm curious to hear what your depth chart looks like because I think it's different than mine. Yeah, my it, it looks mostly the same as yours. I have Mostert at the top though as the quote unquote starter. Okay. We may see a scenario where Coleman starts more games this year, but I, I don't think we wind up seeing them getting the the same amount of rushes this year, just because Mostert is he's too effective. To 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 only get because last last season between weeks five and twelve he didn't crack double digit carries he had thirty nine total rushes 
in that span. And at the end of the season, from weeks 13 through 17, uh, he averaged 13 carries a game. He averaged almost six yards per attempt. Like he's he's too good, I think, in this system to continue uh, putting on the back burner. I, 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 in fact, so, so I guess we can, we can use this to jump into the first question you have down here is can Raheem Mostert become a star? I, I don't think star is the right word because I don't think he will get a lion's share of the carries where he's getting 20 plus attempts a game. But I think that 13 to 15 carries a game range is going to allow him to continue to be effective an average between five and six yards per attempt. I, I, I think that's a hundred percent something that can happen over a 16 game season. Yeah. And I, and I think that's sort of the next step, right? Just in, in terms of his natural evolution as a player, if he is going to be a star, it's going to be because he does get an increased workload. So um, I'm, we're not in disagreement at all. I just put Coleman there because I have yet to see Mostert be that guy, right? Sure. Consistently. Yeah. Um, he's he's not, he's not somebody who's ever had, uh, a real legitimate amount of carries in a season. Even last year, um, he only had 137 carries during the regular season. Tevin Coleman had 137, even Matt Breida, um, who seemed like he got far less playing time than either of those guys, particularly late in the year, he got 123 carries. So there's only a 14 carry difference between Breida and Coleman and Mostert who each tied. So um yeah i'm i'm curious to see what it looks like because the the 49ers are going to run the ball well i think and i think they're going to get production from everybody and i wonder if they view if if, how eager kyle shanahan is to give raheem mostert those 20 carries per game or if he does want to balance it out and and go with guys like Jarek mckinnon and things like that here's a here's a good reference for for what Raheem Mostert's done in his career on the ground because what he did last year, especially in the NFC title game, was was very impressive. He had a really good back end of the year, but he has 178 career carries. Uh, That would have been 23rd in the entire NFL for just last season, two ahead of Lamar Jackson, who had 176 carries as the Ravens quarterback. So the sample size on Raheem Mostert is still relatively small. And I I think that Shanahan kind of found a wheelhouse for Mostert in that 13 carry range. And if he sees an uptick in work, it's just going to be because he's getting 13, like I said, 13 to 15, 16, 17 carries for 16 games. And I think that's where we'll see a difference in Raheem Mostert's usage, usage this year is that it'll just be more consistent over the entire 17-week schedule. I, I don't I, I just I don't foresee a scenario where the Niners just decide that he's a 25 carry a game guy when nobody has been that guy dur- during Shanahan's tenure. What I guess my counter to that might be what are the evolutions of Kyle Shanahan's offense? going to look like sort of on the margins right like i know other people particularly i I think matt mayoko wrote about it for nbc sports bay area that one thing the 49ers were sort of lacking was a third down back somebody who was a really good pass catcher out of the backfield um if there is that guy it's probably Jarek mckinnon right like that's the reason why the 49ers gave him that 30 million dollar contract a few years ago was because they thought not only would he be really good in the running game, but he could potentially be 
somebody who's utilized in the passing game. And I've said it a bunch of different times on this pod, having watched McKinnon's first training camp with the 49ers before 2018, I'm not saying he's Christian McCaffrey, but I think that's sort of what Kyle Shanahan envisioned for the offense was that McKinnon, this completely freak athlete, is going to be somebody we line up all over the field. We utilize his his route running in the slot, uh, maybe against linebackers. We could exploit that mismatch in third downs, things like that. Um, I think McKinnon was a really, really big part of the plans in 2018 and deviating from that plan after he tore his ACL just before the start of the regular season. I think was one of the reasons why Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't particularly good in those three plus or two plus right. games before going down with his ACL tear in Kansas City. So um, I do want to ask you, because this sort of inter- intertwines, it, we have we have two questions written down, and I think um, they're they're very much related and there's a lot of overlap is that, you know, how do you replace Matt Breida, right, who the 49ers traded sure. uh, to the Dolphins for a fifth round pick, which they wound up using on um, Colton McKivitz, the offensive lineman for West Virginia. And the other question is, what should be expected from Jarek McKinnon? And I think that's those two questions are intertwined because McKinnon is going to be that guy, that number three running back, potentially, if he can be healthy and maybe even become more than that if he can resemble something close to what he was uh, before the series of knee issues. So yeah. I, I want to hear your thoughts on what you think happens sort of behind Coleman and Mostert in that third running back role and, and how they go about replacing Breed and, and what to expect from McKinnon. Yeah, I think with McKinnon, the important thing to remember is that he was brought in, like you just said, to be the focal point of the offense. And there's a reason that they restructured his deal to keep him around because they want to see if he can still provide that. And even if he's providing something a little bit less than that, I think that's where a lot of Matt Breida's work is going. And maybe McKinnon sees even more of a workload because he's a better receiver, a better pass catcher than, than Matt Breida was. Um, As far as, as far as kind of where his his carries all go, um, I, I like I said, I think the Niners are going to lean heavily on McKinnon, and then if it's not that, I think you start looking again at the at the undrafted guys, Hasty and 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 Ahmed. I don't think it's going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. Just because I I I don't think that that he's that he's shown enough as a as just kind of like not an every down back, but can he can he be effective getting eight to 10 carries a game? And I, and I don't know if, if he's going to be that guy, he was an effective short yardage back last year, but I don't know if, I don't know if, if he can, if, if his skill set allows him to do more than that. And so that's why I'm looking at the undrafted guys, just because of what, what Kyle Shanahan and running backs coach uh, Bobby Turner have done with, with undrafted rookies since, since they've been in San Francisco. So those are, those are the two guys um, I'm looking at if McKinnon can't stay healthy, but I, I really think the Niners are, are banking on McKinnon and, and I'm, I'm buying anyone's Jarek McKinnon stock if they want to sell it or if they haven't sold it already, uh, because he's, he's, he was cleared before the end of last year. He's getting an extended off season to continue to work out on his own and strengthen that knee before uh, getting back into actual football work. So, uh, if I'm the 49ers, I'm, I'm excited about what, McKinnon might be able to bring because I think that not only can he replace Matt Breida, I think he can provide uh, even more than than Breida did 
um, especially late in the year where, where he was essentially a non-factor. Here's how much Kyle Shanahan liked Jarek McKinnon, right? So Kyle Shanahan has a pretty good idea of how he, he, how he envisions guys, you know, to be used specifically in his offense. And he, the Shanahan's of course, and Bobby Turner are famous for taking undrafted guys and turning them into productive NFL players, sometimes even stars in like, you know, Terrell Davis's case. Right. Um, So knowing that they have that ability in their back pocket, to go get a good running back, basically undrafted any year they want. Kyle Shanahan decided, I like Jarek McKinnon so much that I want to make him one of the highest paid running backs in football by giving him that four-year $30 million contract. Um, So to me, that speaks volumes in terms of how Shanahan initially viewed McKinnon and what his role would be. And then seeing it on the practice field, it was very apparent that McKinnon was going to be a major, major part of what the 49ers were going to do in 2018. And then ultimately they had to pivot because, uh, because of his knee injury. Let's, so I, I looked up Jarek McKinnon's spider graph because it's, it's always like, I always go back to it because it's just like, it's one of the best ones I've ever seen, frankly. Like he's, he's just a crazy freak athlete, or at least he was coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And I just want to remind people if he's, if he's anywhere close to this, and I know that's a huge if and probably very unlikely because of the fact that he's had at least two knee surgeries that we know of since uh, since the very end of the 2018 preseason. 10-yard split, 97th percentile, 40-yard dash, 4.41, 89th percentile, vertical jump, 95th percentile, broad jump, 98th percentile, um, bench press, 98th percentile, 32 reps, which is more than a ton of offensive and defensive linemen. Three cone, not like crazy elite, six, eight, three, but still well below seven seconds, which is good. 20 yard shuttle, 4.12 seconds, 81st percentile, still good enough. Um, yeah, it's McKinnon's fascinating because if he can be anywhere near what he was when he first came to the 49ers and knowing what Kyle Shanahan can do with a player like that. Um, I think it's really intriguing, but on the other hand, the, the 49ers obviously understand the risk because he's signed to a one-year deal, I think worth something like one or two million bucks, um, because he was going to get cut if he were still on the uh, on his previous contract. So, yeah, McKinnon to me is fascinating. It's like it, it's it's the widest um, the widest range of outcomes for me in terms of players in that running back depth chart. Like he could be a starter and somebody who you know, could have 1,400 all-purpose yards, or he could just get hurt again and and never be heard from. I have I have really no idea. It's probably going to be somewhere in between, but to me, I, I I still think that McKinnon could be a really productive player in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, I I, I think that's I think that's right. I I'm in full agreement uh, with you on that, and I don't have anything to add. Okay, well, let's take a quick break then. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's 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 hit a break and and get back and and wrap up the conversation on the Niners running backs. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. 
and live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, everyone relax. If you're hitting fast forward on your podcast, stop now. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about the two undrafted guys because I mentioned earlier the Niners have had not only a running back, but really all over the roster, a lot of success with undrafted players. And Jamichael Hasty and Salvin Ahmed were the two they signed uh, out of this uh, rookie class. Uh, the two undrafted free agents they signed out of this rookie class. Hasty went to Baylor. Ahmed went to UW, and I I think that we're in agreement here that if we're ranking those two, there's a pretty wide gap between Hasty and Ahmed. Yeah, I think Hasty is the better player, um, and you know the numbers might not indicate that as much. Hasty only had 109 carries, 627 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, Ahmed had. 188 carries over a thousand yards and 11 touchdowns. So the production favors, um, favors Ahmed, but I think hasty is more intriguing to me because I think what he does lends itself to the NFL a little bit better. Um, I think hasty is, it runs with more anticipation and is, is good at sort of setting up his blocks and, and trying to maximize his, his yardage that he can get um, on any given play. And he's also really good at making people miss in space. He's elusive from that standpoint, and he's not a terrible receiver. He had 25, 26 and 25 catches out of the backfield the last three years, sort of Baylor's backup third down back. Um, But I I just, I, I, I like the fit. I I see the fit. I I understand what the 49ers are are looking at with hasty. He's a single digit number guy in college, which is kind of a big deal. You read scouting reports on him and they mentioned that it sort of speaks to his football character and what yeah. type of teammate he is. And, you know, we talk plenty about culture and all that. So I think that is definitely a fit, um, particularly for an undrafted guy. And, um, you know, I, I just like hasty a little bit more than Ahmed for, for what the 49ers are looking for. And I think, uh, I think they went about handling the running back situation the right way in that, you know, you have Jeff Wilson Jr. potentially who could have an increased role. You have Jarek McKinnon who could have an in- increased role. Um, and then as sort of insurance, you add two uh, undrafted running backs that you like who could, who yeah. could, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys, if, if either of these guys, I should say, make the team. But I would, I think Hasey probably has the best chance to contribute right away. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I like hasty as a undrafted free agent um ahmed uh, you know we'll see i don't have i don't have um a ton of reason to believe that he's going to contribute right away or even make the team or stick around in the practice squad but uh he might be somebody who just eats up a ton of carries in the preseason i imagine both these guys will but um yeah i like hasty a little better how about you i do too the the frustrating thing about ahmed is that he gets lateral really well, but then he keeps 
going east to west. It's a lot of indecisiveness, and that doesn't really fly in Shanahan's offense. Um, he's fine in the open field, and 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 he's like I said, he's he's pretty elusive. But uh, Hasty's more decisive. He runs really hard. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of of Maurice Jones Drew. Uh, okay. No, I haven't I haven't done the deep dive on on Jamichael Hasty. So. Um, Both short guys. Hasty's five eight two oh five. Well, and just the just the way I mean, just the way he finishes runs. Like he runs much bigger than five eight two oh five. And Maurice Jones Drew did 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 uh did did the same thing. So uh the thing that stands out the most to me about Hasty, like I said, is that decisiveness. When there's a hole he wants to hit, he's going to hit it. And I think that's something that Raheem Mostert is really good at. And I think that's why he's been successful in this offense. And I'm not saying that Hasty's going to step in and average five or six yards a carry. But when you start talking about which of the undrafted rookies might make an impact right away, I think I think Hasty has the has the greater skill set for this for this offense. Yeah, and one thing too is is getting somebody who's a backup. You know, he only had 109 carries last year and and his his freshman year his redshirt freshman year in 2016 he had 119 and then 76 carries 82 carries so there's not a ton of mileage there um so i think that's something that nfl teams are looking at now too when they're when they're looking at running backs and and i think it's part of the reason why the position is devalued in the draft like i understand jonathan taylor for example the wisconsin running back is a really good player and i like him a lot um, he had 926 carries in three seasons, uh, 299, 307 and 320 the last three years. That is a ton of wear and tear and a ton of tackles to Michael Hasty in four years had 386. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's something to that. Maybe hasty, you know, I, who knows? Like Taylor, Taylor's a better player. Obviously he was drafted high. Um, but the point being is that I, I think teams are, are starting to look at well maybe there's not a big enough gulf in the skill set differences that these guys have right maybe there's more value in getting somebody who has more tread on the tires who uh, we think can play at a high level for longer even if they don't have the same anywhere near the same type of ceiling that somebody like Jonathan Taylor would have well and I think that's particularly true for a team like the 49ers where they've proven that in Shanahan's offense, they don't need one star running back. They've spent exactly one draft pick on a running back since since Shanahan and John Lynch took over in 2017, and that was Joe Williams. He never played a snap in a regular season game. So I think when when this kind of leads to the larger discussion about like running back value, and people try and argue that running backs there, there's like the extreme of running backs don't matter and and running backs do matter, but when people say running backs don't matter, it means you don't need a first round pick to get to, to be successful at that position. And the Niners, rather than spending that draft capital in the first round of the second round, or for in their case, any round, uh, they, they cobble together a backfield that can put 400 carries together uh, between three or four guys. And that's the way they've found uh, is 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 effective for them. 
And I think more teams are starting to do that because like you said, the, the gap between the, the top running back in the draft and an undrafted running back, the gap between those two guys in the right system is not large enough to justify the use of draft capital versus signing one in undrafted free agency. Totally agree. Can we, uh, can we finish this with, with real quick uh, running back valuation conversation, please. Okay. Lo- that, so that's where I was trying to steer the, the, <laughs> the podcast. So that's so good that you caught on. It, it is a, <laughs> it is a hated topic among many people who podcast about the NFL, but I don't think it's a topic that you and I have had specifically. So I think I, I'm in disagreement with a lot of people who say the running game doesn't matter. Ergo running backs don't matter. All of that. Um, And here's why, particularly with how it relates to the 49ers, right? Like, so we know the 49ers use a ton of heavy personnel. They're one of the best rushing teams in the league. They ran the ball over 51% of the time, second highest rate in the league behind only the Ravens. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo used play action at the third highest rate um, of any starter last year. That according to pro football focus, I forget what the exact percentage was. I want to say it's something like 30%. So the 49ers were in essence, a running team. And Kyle Shanahan referred to complimenting his defense often when, when talk, when talking about the running game. So to me, I understand like generally I'm, I'm against using a first or maybe even a second round pick on a running back. Um, I understand that side of it because of what you just said is that there's not really a whole lot of difference in drafting somebody in the fourth round, like Joe Williams or, um finding an undrafted rookie who you really like who fits your system um so the the running game is incredibly important to the 49ers like it Mm -hmm. just is it's sort of the basis of their offense and i just think it's crazy like i know passing is up in the nfl and it has been that way and you have to pass to win um but if if you're just a pass first team you're putting your defense at risk of you know, tiring out and you play a ton of high scoring games over a season, um, that's going to have effects come January. And I think the Niners having, I think they were the fifth best team in terms of total time of possession net. Um, I think that matters. Like, I, I think keeping your defense fresh matters. And I think being able to run the ball is a huge part of that. And that's, that's even aside from just how reliant the 49ers are on the running game. Uh, which leads to play action, which leads to getting guys open so often. And we talk about how good George Kittle is and Kyle Juszczyk and all of that. It's because of the fact that they're really good in the running game and it lends to being really good in the passing game because of so much of the passing game is built off looking like the running game. Um, So I think to the 49ers and teams that are smart and that you want to put your defense in good positions to succeed, like, I think the running game is really important. And and I think it's it's short-sighted to say the running game doesn't matter. Running backs don't matter. Um, I think it definitely matters, but I think there are shades of gray in the sense of how you pick players for those positions. Like if you're smart running about backs- it, you don't need you don't need to use a draft pick on one of the first two days. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the running game isn't important. No. I just think I, I think it's I think it's super important. I think it's critical to to who the 49ers are right now. Running running backs. It, it's not that running backs don't matter because of everything you just laid out. It's that 
it's that running backs don't matter so much that paying them exorbitant amounts of money makes sense. Right. My cats agree, as you can hear them in the background. <laughs> but well, Todd Gurley's a classic example, right? Like Todd yeah. Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. Well, um, and and look at look at what what the Cowboys have had to do uh since since paying Ezekiel Elliott. It's changed the way that they've been able to negotiate with Dak Prescott. It forced them to get rid of uh not get rid of but let Byron Jones uh a budding star at quarter at, at cornerback. Uh, leave in free agency and that has a lot to do because they have so much salary cap tied up in a running back where they could probably add a couple of late round draft picks or a mid-round draft pick and some undrafted free agents and cobble together a, a fine running game right so that's when people say running backs don't matter it's not the running game that doesn't matter um it's that you shouldn't pay your running backs top of market money yeah, instead have four of them that you think could start. Right. And I that's, think that's what yeah. Kyle Shannon and Bobby Turner think they have. They have four different guys who, at least four different guys who they think they could start and uh, and still field a productive offense. And yeah, if one and, of those and, guys and, happens to be a star, then obviously great, that's great. Right. But, yeah. Well, and when you start looking at the shelf life of an NFL running back. Right. Um, it's the shortest in the league of any position. Yeah, if you get if you get four good years out of a running back, that's that's awesome. That's fantastic. But then allocating huge financial resources to that player after they've had four good years isn't great roster building. Nope. That's it. That's so it. running backs running backs matter, but not enough to pay them top dollar. The running games <laughs> mad running games matter but you can build good running games without breaking the bank. Yeah. I think if we keep saying this in different ways, it'll make sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Hey, so we're going to do an old rush tomorrow. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to do it. We, uh, week four, 2011 Niners at Eagles. The day it all turned around. Yeah. Watch that game. If you want to, uh, if you have the time to rewatch it on game pass or YouTube, whatever it's on, I don't even know if it's on YouTube. It's definitely get, on game pass. That's what I'll be watching. Yeah. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, but yeah, watch that game. Uh, we were supposed to do it last week. Some came up. We're all and good cat now. Cat issues. Cat issues. Um, and yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. Looking forward to that. As you can hear, they're fine now. <laughs> <laughs> or terrified. Now nah, they're hungry. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it last week, and then had our had our plans derailed. Yeah, because of you um and we we're gonna get into it tomorrow and i'm i'm really excited to chat about that game uh my buddy andrew who's a big 49ers fan i uh, found out we were doing that and he went back and was watching it and was live texting me some of the stuff that was happening and it made me even made me even more amped. so awesome. uh Shout this, out has been, andrew. this has been candlestick chronicles uh download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts uh thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next time uh, with the old rush that we're both very excited for. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.